When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and ladies, it's Kristen. And Caroline. So a couple years ago, way before the pandemic, we made a series of pep talks. And for the very first time, we are bringing them out from behind the premium paywall to all y'all. We have unlocked six of our very favorite pep talks that we think will help y'all start the new year off right. We released three last week and the other three today. Enjoy. I think no one actually gives advice about online dating because everyone hates it. And their advice is like, don't do it. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Unladylike Pep Talks album. I'm Kristen. I'm Caroline. Pep Talks are pick-me-ups for when patriarchy gets you down. Starring some of our favorite, most inspirational, hilarious, and brilliant unladies. Today is no exception because, Caroline, we have comedian and host of Fake the Nation podcast, Nagin Farsad. And Nagin spent her 20s and 30s in New York City. Oh, Lord. <laughs> And she did a lot of dating and a lot of online dating specifically. Yeah, but unlike a lot of daters, Nagin describes herself as a fan of dating. And she's gone out with plenty of duds. So we're going to hear what Nagin's learned about online dating and how to actually have fun while doing it. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate this perspective from someone who (laughs) uh, loves love like Nagin does, (laughs) but not in like a super cheesy way. Um, And Nagin is also a straight lady, but her tips and takeaways for navigating what can be a total cesspool of online (laughs) dating, like they really apply regardless of whatever kind of relationship or hookup you're looking for. And it's a breath of fresh air, Kristen, to hear an optimistic take on online dating because we do just often hear the horror stories because those are the funniest, right? Yeah. But regardless of your relationship status, today, Nagin will have you cackling. Yeah, she will. And before we hear Nagin's pep talk, Caroline, you and I have a little online dating story to share. Not not our own. We didn't date online. No, no. That is not how you and I met. <laughs> but let's rewind the clock to the pre-Tinder days, so in, like, 1943. (laughs) um, OkCupid was the name of the game. Yep. And you and I had started hanging out together. I don't know if we were podcasting together. We were. We were. Yeah, yes, we were. And I can tell you exactly why as soon as we get into this story. Okay, so... I, I found myself single, per usual, and I got on OkCupid, quickly met this guy. He looked, you know, attractive enough, um, and, I, and I don't mean that in a mean way. He, he, was a, he was an attractive dude, for sure. And one of the first things he told me was, well, I've Googled you. Oh. And we were still making introductions, so I, I was like, well, 
you tell me about me then. You. <laughs> That's so strange. But we we did hit it off, and he was a nice guy. But then he sent me a photo of a baby, uh, and it was a baby he was related to. Oh, okay. But um, it just felt too soon and, like, pressure, and so I ghosted. Yeah. And so listeners are probably like, what does this have to do with you and Caroline in online dating? Well, I was also on OkCupid in those single days early on in my time in Atlanta, and uh, I came across a guy who was attractive. So we meet on OkCupid. I tell him, like, kind of who I am, what I do, which involved the word podcasting. And we go out. We have a good time. We have some drinks. Like, nothing seems out of the ordinary. We honestly have a great time. And and we, like, talk about hanging out again. And then he's, like, weird about scheduling a second date. And I don't really notice it at first because, you know, I'm dating around. Whatever. We finally go out on a second date. And he apologizes for it, like, taking so long or whatever to yeah, get. He was thoughtful. He was a thoughtful guy. But he he apologizes because he says, well, I figured out who you were when you said that you were podcasting because I actually used to go out with your podcasting partner. And you know the scene in Inception when, like, the bridges and all the buildings, like, turn inside (laughs) out or whatever? I guess that happens in Doctor Strange, too, if you've never seen Inception. Just picture that happening because I was like— what? Are we just interchangeable? But let me tell you this. He was like, but, I, you know, I just wanted to get it out in the open. It doesn't bother me. Like, I really like you. I have fun with you. It like, doesn't bother me. Yeah. We aren't sisters. Right, exactly. Well, so it clearly did bother him because then he, like, called it off, like, immediately after that. He was like, I just can't do it. Kristen, you threw him for a loop. <sighs> I know. I know. Um, can I just add one last thing? He could have saved himself some trouble if he had just Googled you before your first date instead, too. Or if when I had already said that I podcasted. Because you know what? You know what? I'm calling bullshit right here because I think he walked in that first date knowing exactly who you were. I think so, too. Unladylike meat cereal. Let's track this case (laughs) down. Actually, let's not because we got a pep talk to hear. (laughs) So, yeah, let's get this show on the road, you guys. Uh, We're going to let Nagin take it from here and be sure to hang around for her pep talk. Okay, you guys, I'm uh, Nagin Farsad. I am a comedian slash writer, actor, and I live in New York City. So when I think about online dating... I think about my years of online dating, which were pretty successful and not horrible. Like, I I think about how my attitude towards online dating is probably different from literally everybody I know. I feel like all of my friends um, who are currently and formally have online dated, they are so negative about it. You know, they're just like, oh, this thing. Like, it's like almost like they're going to the dentist or something. You know what I mean? Like, online dating should be the gateway to love. You know, <laughs> and that's like a good that feels like, I feel like I said something so cheesy right now. Like, it, I'm blushing at myself. But my point is that it is. It is the gateway to love, and we should be excited about it and not treat it like the worst thing ever.
there were so many times in my dating life that I could have used a pep talk about be, you know, just about dating, but also about online dating. I mean, there were some dates where I was just like, I felt like I was talking to a wall and those were really difficult. Um, and I just thought maybe there's only men who are walls. You know what I mean, in America, is that what's going on? You know, because sometimes you get like a cluster of people in a row that just make you feel like, all men are not going to be my love, you know? Uh, Again, not all men suck or anything like that. Just like there's no man who is my love and like I'm just looking for my love, which is like, can't stop being cheesy about this. (laughs) Because someone help me stop saying the word love. (laughs) This is getting out of control. So I had this one bad date. The date took place entirely next to Adrian Grenier from Entourage. (laughs) We were like having drinks at this bar and he was there. And he was with a a friend or I don't know, some lady. And uh, I don't know how much he noticed, but I was a little like... And I don't, you know, I'm not like weak need over Adrian Grenier or anything. I don't care what he thinks about me. But I did have a moment of like, I hope Adrian Grenier doesn't think I'm dating this guy because this guy is the pits. And the weird thing that happened was like Adrian asked us if we would watch his chair because he had to go to the bathroom and he was waiting for his friend. He didn't want to give up his two seats or whatever. And this guy was like, first of all, didn't know that Adrian Grenier was like a famous pseudo famous dude or whatever. But also he was like trying to be funny, but it was coming out weird where he was like, I'm not going to just like get into a fight over your seats or whatever. And Adrian Grenier is like, okay, like, I don't need you to like get into a fist fight over my seats. I'm just saying, could you watch them while I got, you know, while I go to the bathroom? The whole thing was really just weird and embarrassing because this guy was like, going for something and it wasn't working so hard and like he was just like a dorky embarrassing dude who was trying really hard to be funny but it wasn't funny and I don't you know you don't need to do that even if you're on a day with a comedian like you should just like be yourself like I don't need you know what I mean a date with anyone to be like I'm watching Monty Python like get out of town that's fun you know let's just all be real anyway it, so it was that kind of date where he's trying too hard but it was do the whole thing was happening weirdly with Adrian Grenier's you know in front of him and, that, and so I felt I don't know it wasn't that bad <laughs> it wasn't actually that bad but it was you know it's just like weirdly embarrassing I witnessed my roommate who, he was like this kind of finance guy. I'd spent many years like working and then was like, oh, wait, I've spent so much time working. I don't have a girlfriend and I would like a girlfriend. And so he treated the whole process like a finance guy. He just basically started a spreadsheet, kept track of who he, re- who he reached out to, reached out to a certain number of people a week, whittled it down. And he'd be like, of these people, you know, 30% of them will go on a date with me. Of those people, you know, 10% will go on a second date with me. You know what I mean? He had it down to a science. And it's funny because it sounds like non-romantic, but he literally married a woman, like the woman that they've been together forever. They have kids. I mean, they're this wonderful couple. <laughs> like, I love her. I think she's amazing. And it happened because he took a, not a judgmental approach to the, he was, it wasn't an overly emotional approach. It wasn't anything. It was just sort of like, this is a tool. I am using it to have an ends that are emotional, but this part of it is a, simply a sorting method and it's not doesn't need to be emotional. It's not about me. It's about the tool.
Okay. So I feel like, you know, because I'm a fan of um, online dating, I think it can be, and forget online dating. I'm a fan of dating. I'm a fan of being set up. I'm a fan of all, like on a blind date, all of those things that involve a, a measure of anxiety and heinous feelings from people. <laughs> like I think they're great and they can be great. Like here are ways to make your dating and online dating just better. You know how when you're falling asleep, you're not supposed to think about sleep. You're not supposed to think about, oh my God, now I have less time to sleep because I haven't fallen asleep yet. And oh my God, I have even less time to sleep because I haven't fallen asleep yet. And you're like focusing on sleep so you can't sleep. I think dating is a similar thing. You can't think about the dating too much. So like when you want to fall asleep, you have to kind of like count sheep, listen to a meditation app or whatever, something to get your mind off of the task at hand. And then your mind will hopefully be lulled by the boredom of the other thing into a state of sleep. That's a little bit what I think about dating. So A, don't go into it like, oh my God, the fate of my life. Like you're putting too much pressure on the situation. None of these people is the answer to your life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not like that. Your whole goal is just like meet somebody that you think is cool. And that's it. Um, it's not like the rest of your life. It's not who you're going to marry. It's not uh, whatever. Don't think about those things. So that's one. Then the, my, my next thing is it is a bit of a numbers game. And ladies, this one goes out to you because I know a lot of you like to wait for someone to reach out to you. My rule was I do not accept the people who reach out to me. They are incorrect about liking me. (laughs) I will be the judge of who should be liking me. (laughs) And so I only went out with people. I think there was maybe one or two guys that made it through this rule. Like they sent me an email and I was like, okay, you might have a point. Uh, And then I maybe went on a date with them. But by and large, like 98% of the time, I reached out to a dude, and that is who I ended up going on a date with. It was not people who reached out to me because I used to feel like, you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about, or you're just looking at pictures, and that's not what this is about. It's not about pictures. So then following up on that rule... You can't have too many online exchanges with the person. It can't be like, I got to know this person through the fucking messaging app on the stupid thing. No, you have to move the conversation over to real life as soon as possible. So I would have, hey, likes this whatever thing about your profile struck me as interesting. Ha ha ha. What about you or whatever? And then they would respond. And then I would be like, oh, that's great. Do you want to get a drink? Literally three exchanges is like, Oftentimes, how fast it would be for me to get into, do you want to get a drink? Don't let it go on too long because what I found is if you talk too long with someone online, you start building a persona for them and that's not who they are because invariably you're wrong. Then you meet that person in in real life and you're like, oh, this person's gross though. And it's like so jarring and shocking. You can't even open your mind to him not being the thing you created or her. Okay, so that's that rule. And then my next rule is your first date should be something hopefully early in the evening unless you're trying to make do two for one dates what two dates in the night which i used to do to be more efficient what you should do is have a short thing planned like 6 p.m meet me at this coffee place or 6 p.m meet me for happy hour whatever 3 p.m on a saturday meet me that okay you meet there you arrive and you say before you even really get a good look at them you say I can only be here for an hour because I'm sorry, I have a deadline or I've got a thing or whatever it is. And so just set the expectation immediately. Oh, this is like a short deal, which the other person would have already been cued by 
when you make it a coffee date or a drink date because those aren't supposed to take hours and hours and hours, right? Okay, so no matter what happens, I would leave the date after an hour. So leave your date after an hour because you want to leave them wanting more. You want for that person to be left with you wanting more (laughs) sentences. Um, And if you have that spark, the spark of like, oh, my God, I want to see this guy again. I want to see this girl again. Oh, my God. That spark will grow and it'll be a good thing for your little heart. And it'll be a good thing for their little heart. And, you know, you just don't want to blow your load too early. So give it, like, wait so I can date it, you know? Um, I don't kiss anyone on the first date and do anything like that. I was an after-third date kind of gal when it came to the kissing. Okay, and then here's the other thing. Now, you've got these rules in place. That's great. That doesn't mean they're going to be gems, you know, just because you have these rules of how to conduct yourself. No, you're going to sit across people that you feel like are like the worst humans. You know what? Maybe not even the worst humans because it's not like I feel like I dated anyone who was like a white supremacist or whatever. Like, no, I didn't. I did feel, though, that I dated some people that I thought were unbearably boring or just like super weird or whatever, right? So in those situations, I what I did to keep my, again, mind off of dating, right, was like, okay, I'm a person and I want to be interesting at cocktail parties and I will get something interesting out of this person about their life. So I would like Turn it into, I know within two minutes that I will never have sex with this guy. Oh, my God. That is an impossibility. However, I'm going to get something out of this me, this hour of my life that's interesting. And that would be the goal because then that's kind of fun. You know what I mean? And then so you turn it into a little bit of a sociological experiment. I remember I went on a first date with a guy who it turns out after multiple like versions of questioning about his background, he was grew up in a cult. What? I know. In one of those weird cults, and, like, he didn't go to school. He was, like, homeschooled in this cult. I mean, so interesting. And I thought, you know, I was like, oh, this guy will be a great boyfriend for someone else. I, I do not see it happening. But this is so interesting, you know? So my point is you can kind of view everyone as, like, this is a, is a chance for me, me to get another story out of this great mass of humanity that is nothing but stories. Oh, and then one last rule. Once you start dating, don't text too much. This isn't about texting. This is a relationship is not about how you and someone else text each other. (laughs) A relationship is a nuts and bolts face-to-face thing. And I think the best thing that happened to me accidentally with the man who is now my husband, which is his doing, is that he didn't text me. He would call and try to make an arrangement that way, which was hilarious because this is not like long ago. You know what I mean? This was like, you know, we were already in the world of like nobody phone calls. That's crazy pants. But he would. And that's how we would make plans. We wouldn't even stay very long on the phone. It would just be like, hey, do you think you could do whatever? And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. And that would kind of be it. And then so we didn't, our communications only happened when we were on dates. And that was amazing because I wasn't waiting for text messages from him all the time. It didn't, I didn't drive myself crazy doing that. Those are my rules. Nagin is right, y'all. Online dating 
should not feel like going to the dentist. Although I love my dentist. <laughs> you like going to the dentist? I girl? literally love going to the dentist because my dentist is awesome. <laughs> okay. okay. So, All right. But it shouldn't feel like going to a bad dentist. Yes. Online dating should not feel like going to a bad dentist. So true. Um, but I think that we can take Nagin's non-judgmental approach to the whole shebang and mm-hmm. apply it to so many other facets of our life, whether it is something that we are looking for relationship status-wise mm-hmm. or just any new thing that we're curious about mm-hmm. um, but are maybe too anxious uh, <laughs> to try. Mm-hmm. Because she's right. You, you don't know what kind of interesting people, sexually attracted to them or not, uh, you might meet. You don't know what adventures might befall you. Yeah, and you don't know, even if you're mega attracted to someone, like just by their picture or their profile, or the flip side, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. Who knows what's going to happen on the actual date? Truly, you never know, because that person could end up being a fascinating former cult member whose life experience you would never be able to hear about otherwise. That's true. So go on dates as like a sociological, journalistic experience? I mean, basically, if you are someone like me who listens to too many podcasts and there comes a day when you run out of cult-related podcasts to listen <laughs> to, start going on you're just going to need to start going on dates and finding your own stories. But Caroline, there is something I'm still wondering about in the online dating world, which is, you know, making the first move. Like, uh, I mean, my first move is usually just like awkwardly staring at someone until they hopefully like catch my glance. <laughs> So if I'm just using my phone to do that, like, not sure how. Fortunately, Nagin knows much better than I do. So when you initially write, I don't remember exactly how I handled this. And every it didn't, I didn't have like a hard and fast rule, but I usually tried to pick out something, you know, on Tinder. I feel like it was a little harder because I was like trying to pick out something from their photo and say something about it or like from the little caption, you know, Um which is why I feel like other sites like OkCupid were like bet more my style because I could like read something and get a sense. And I felt like it was easier for me to get a sense and like have an introduction entree. So, you know, like, it, you know, if they said something about Cleveland, I could I would be like I was in Cleveland once and I had fried pickles. Where do you stand on those? Some, I mean, which is so dumb, you know, and you can even acknowledge that being a dumb question in your, you know, uh, that might be a dumb question, but I want. Uh, you know, but there's my uh, excuse to reach out to you or something. And that's kind of cute. I don't know. Um, so I found that I got a lot of responses with the short, you know, you don't, you're not writing a treatise. So it's a short thing and it's not, oh, this is a mistake that guys make all the time, but like not at all like sexual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just more fun and cute. Although Nagin is not, you know, like a professional expert in dating, she was clearly good enough at it that she's retired. Nagin is now married to her husband, Jason. And since we spoke, they added a new member to their family, their daughter. Y'all can find Nagin's podcast, Fake the Nation, wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, check out her column in The Progressive at progressive.org. Y'all can find us at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unladylike Media. You can also drop us a line at hello at unladylike.co. 
And you can support Caroline and me directly by joining our Patreon. You will get instant access to our ad-free bonus episodes and a new bonus episode every week, including our 2022 things to look forward to question mark. <laughs> you can find it all over at patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike. Michelle O'Brien is our associate producer. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford and Andy Christens. Nora Ritchie, Jenny Barish, and Joanna Kelly contributed vocals. Special thanks to Abigail Keel and Aaron Nestor. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media. This podcast was created by your hosts, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin of Unladylike Media. And remember, need a little pep in your step? Get Unladylike. This has been pointed out to me for my whole life, and I think it might be the most unladylike thing about me is that I'm not terribly affectionate with, like, hugs and, like, I don't – I'm not a big, like, I don't touch my friends ever. (laughs) What am I saying? Stitcher. 